Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Sometimes the best way to teach an economics lesson is by listening to others talk about economics. And I'm not talking about some nuts and bolts conversation about supply and demand that could bore you to tears. I'm talking about the real world in which you live and how it is discussed by others. In this case, the Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything at TonyKatz.com. It was a conversation that was taking place on the Hill. And of course, so much of the Hill is is, is focused on the Trump case in Colorado and the Supreme Court hearing the case of Trump's eligibility on the ballot in Colorado. Colorado is like, oh, no, no, he's not on the ballot. Lee, incited an insurrection based on based on what? Your feelings? Your feelings don't matter. Your feelings are inconsequential. And, of course, this should be overturned and the and the Colorado Supreme Court should be smacked down as far as I'm concerned. But over there... Um, is in the, the, the Senate, the Financial Stability Oversight Council, is Janet Yellen uh, testifying. It's actually the Senate Banking, Housing, and Urban Affairs Committee, but it, she's testifying on the Financial Stability Oversight Council and their annual report. And uh, Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, who I love me some Senator John Kennedy of Louisiana, that man is good with a quip. He is is asking questions of of Yellen, and I think that they are very uh, they're incredibly informative to us because we experience the economy different than they do. Those who try to set policy or lie to us and tell us everything is going fine. All we hear about is the strength of the economy, and all we see are layoffs. All we hear about is about how strong purchasing power is, for example, but we know everything costs more, but they tell us wages are going up, even though it doesn't keep up with the cost of the everyday things. We are not in a strong place. Anecdotally, I will talk about all the business owners I talk to. People reach out to me all the time. They don't see a good 2024. They see a frightening 2024. And the layoffs that we have seen, whether it be Citigroup or whether it be Salesforce or or, or UPS, I think proves that point. But there's a couple of pieces here that we need uh, to get to. Let's start with Janet Yellen saying that the high prices, that's not Bidenomics. These high prices caused by Bidenomics are here to stay, aren't they? Well, the high, high prices were not caused by Bidenomics. Um, we suffered a pandemic that resulted in severe dislocations. Yes, ma'am, but if I could ask you, they're here to stay, aren't they? I don't expect the level of prices to go down, but the rate of inflation... So they're here to stay? Well, some prices will be higher than they were before the pandemic and will stay higher, but wages have risen considerably and the pace of price increases has now receded. Um, Over the last six months, 
the measure of inflation the Fed focuses on has been running exactly but, at but, but if your wages if and you wages are going up. If you don't get a pay raise, you're screwed. I mean, here's what there's a difference between disinflation and deflation. Y'all talked about disinflation, which I'm I'm happy to have. Disinflation means less inflation. That's what it means, uh, Senator Kennedy. But let's go back to this commentary, this wordplay. Yes, some prices will stay higher. Notice it, it took her a while. It took the prodding. But wages are going up, so it's okay. Is it okay? Wages are going up, so it's okay that prices are higher. That's if your wages went up. What if you're on a fixed income? So this is a conversation for seniors. Your wages didn't go up. You're on the same exact wage, the same exact amount of dollars for the rent and for the food and for the utilities and then for a night out with the girls. And the 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 rent, the food, and the utilities all went up. So much so that even though the price for a night out with the girls went up, you can't afford it anyway. You're staying at home. Of what value is the argument wages went up when the other things have gone up to supplant that she wants to make the argument janet yellen the treasury secretary wants to make the argument that it's okay i don't ration that to be i don't find a rational way for that to be true it is not true and as for this idea of bidenomics bidenomics didn't cause it it was all covid there are plenty of things that covid disrupted but one should look at spending And one should look at policy and ask if it made things better or did it elongate an issue. When we take a look at the Great Depression, government action helped to lengthen the time before the economy could get itself back on track. The same thing doesn't apply here. I will not deny the outrageous amount of spending in the Trump era. Oh my goodness. And the people who do, ah, forget them. They're not, they're not serious people. We need serious people having a conversation. If you're not willing to admit, yeah, there was a lot of spending. Now you could defend it. See that? But the, you, you have to at least admit there was a lot of spending. You're not going to admit there was an obscene amount of spending in the last three years of Joe Biden. An outrageous amount of spending predicated on lies regarding a legislation like the, the Inflation Reduction Act or the infrastructure, what was it, the infrastructure, there's something rescue this and rescue that. Who can keep up? These things, how about the idea of cutting energy supply? Oh, we'll get to that in a second. So that was part one of the conversation with Senator Kennedy. Then when, when asked specifically about the wages. Don't have to get the prices down because oh, we don't? wages wages are going up and um, a, a metric that is worth knowing is that the median American house worker but, but um, stop is able get to buy... You don't the, think we need to get these prices down? You think it's okay that bacon's up 20% under President Biden? Chicken's up 23.5%? Coffee's up 30%. Gas is up 44%. New cars and trucks are up 20% because people can't afford it. That's used cars because people can't afford a new car 
If they're up 24% under Bidenomics. You don't think we need to get these prices? Wa wages are also up, and wages are up They're not more. up 24%. They're not well, up 27%. Well, they're not up 23%. They're not well, what, up 31 I, I'm sorry, but what is... Senator Kennedy is on point, but let's leave him to the side and let's get to this argument. Could you imagine someone at your dining room table making this argument? have to get the prices down because we wages, wages are going up. We don't have to get the prices down because wages are going up is a child's argument. Now, I brought up the senior on a fixed income. I, so, so and, and by the way, they, they don't even discuss that. We may be the first. I doubt we're the first people to discuss it. I'm sure there are plenty of people with PhDs and letters after their name who have engaged this conversation. But we're the first people discussing it now. You haven't heard that conversation anywhere else as a, a matter of, well, wait a second. Listen to what she's saying, but what about this? Listen to what she's saying and recognize that this is the Biden administration dismissing price increases. Dismissing price increases. Now, some things are going to have price increases because, A, we go back to that boring supply and demand that could engage price increases. Certainly, if you have less product coming from places like China that you rely on, if less product is coming out, the product itself is more expensive. Certainly, if you have more inflation and we are at 3.9%, prices are more expensive. So the idea that the price doesn't matter because the wage goes up is radical as a proposition because it is to say that all the other things are okay. The issues with the global supply chain are okay and inflation is okay. The idea that businesses shut down permanently when you shut them down via COVID, they haven't reopened, so therefore there are less suppliers of specific products, thus putting more strain on those suppliers, thus making prices go up, that's okay. I ask you, whether you own a business or you don't own a business, you're sitting at the kitchen table asking your kids this question. You're speaking to your spouse, you're with friends on the bar stool. Does that sound okay to you? This is one of those moments where the degree doesn't matter. Your socioeconomic background doesn't matter. Your race, your religion, your sexual orientation doesn't matter. As a matter of just basic rational thought, does that make sense to you? No, it doesn't. Because of course the price of the thing matters. Why does the price of the thing matter in its most basic form? The price of the thing matter be, matters because if the price is lower, I then have more power to do more with my dollar. And isn't that better? This is uh, Bastiat and uh, broken window uh, fallacy. Now, there's broken window theory and broken window fallacy. Broken window theory is uh, about the idea of um, where you see broken windows, that will be blight, that will bring down uh, prices, that will cause depression, that will cause more crime, etc. Broken window fallacy is Frederick Bastiat, the 19th century French economist, and we're talking about uh, a, a parable. The parable goes as follows. So a couple kids are playing a ball in the street. And one of them throws the ball and the other kid misses it because he's terrible playing ball. And boom, 
hits a shopkeeper's window, breaks the window. The shopkeeper is infuriated, comes out yelling at the kids, look what you did to my shop window. The people in the town say, whoa, what are you getting so angry about? Sure, he made a mistake and broke the window, but now, now the window guy, he has a job. And then and, and, and he gets to fix the window. So he actually did a great service here. That's broken window fallacy. The idea that the destruction creates an opportunity. Because, if, if, and, 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 and someone from the Bastiat Society might say to me, well, Tony, you should really say it like this, but go with me here. If breaking a window creates economic growth and provides jobs, shouldn't we all on a daily basis break all our windows? Think of how many jobs would be created. Think of all the jobs that would be created if we just broke every window. Well, think of all the jobs and economic growth that was created when we destroyed Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland during the, uh, during the riots. Oh, that's right, none. This then brings about something else regarding Bastiat, regarding the scene and the unseen. What is seen is the new window going in and the guy who makes the windows getting paid. But what about what is unseen? And this is what I was referring to earlier. If the shopkeeper is now paying for a new window, the shopkeeper is no longer giving their employee a raise because the money is gone. The shopkeeper is not investing in advertising. The money is gone. The shopkeeper is not buying a new piece of equipment to allow them to be more efficient and allow them to grow. The money is gone. What is unseen is an unbelievably important dynamic in the economics. And Janet Yellen is telling you point blank that that doesn't matter, except it does because the unseen can be said in a different way. The unseen is actually your decision. If prices are high because of economic policy, that was her decision. And what she took away from that or what the Biden administration takes away from you is your decision-making ability. That evaporates quite literally in your hands because your money goes to the broken window because your money goes to the higher price for these things which she argues is inconsequential because you're getting a higher wage first as we've already described you might not be getting a higher wage and secondly she decided for you what you do with your dollars the unseen which is little johnny's braces which is refinishing that bathroom that desperately needs it which is the vacation that honestly you want the the very concept of going out to dinner is is actually a fascinating idea in, in reality no one needs a restaurant i'm not anti restaurant pro restaurant oh settle down uh no one needs it you have a home you have access to bread and peanut butter you're fed you're done there is no need for the restaurant why do we have them Because the act of going out to eat, the act of ordering in a pizza or Chinese food or whatever the case may be, 
is the act of recognition, of a self-recognition of a level of success, of a level of normalcy. I can take my wife out to dinner once a week. I can take the kids for wings. We can order in a pizza. It is, it is this, this moment of, you know what? I have some control here. You know what? I'm not working this hard for no reason. I can give myself this little luxury. I can give my family this little luxury. And this little luxury is just enough to get us through one more week. I can afford to take my kids to Disney. By the way, if you can afford to take your kids to Disney, you are not in radio. You make way more money than I do. Or I can afford to take them to here for a weekend or afford to... to those little things set the mind and set the soul to a belief that one can make it, that things are good. They are small things and they matter greatly. And what Janet Yellen is saying is, so what? Too bad. It is an obscenity. It's an obscene way to think about the economy. Now, remind me tomorrow to share Senator Kennedy talking about energy. Because I, I, that's what I was, I, I, I mean, that's what I wanted to share. His conversation about energy suicide. Remind me, remind me, remind me to talk about this tomorrow. Because I, I, I can't. I have so many things I, I got to get to. Um it's it, it's fascinating because that is that is absolutely true. But the the what Janet Yellen is saying here, you're you're not you're not crazy, you're not out of your head. This is abhorrent in every way, and she is saying that you don't have to make your own choices. We'll make them for you. We will take away the unseen. That is not smart economic policy. That is hateful economic policy. That is a hateful thing to say. I'm Tony Katz. Trump on the ballot in Colorado. The case is before the Supreme Court. The arguments have been going on. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. And it's cool. They, They don't allow cameras in the courtroom, but you can you can hear the proceedings. And it's it's just so damn cool. Federal enforcement. That's correct. All right. Final question. Um, the Colorado Supreme Court concluded that the violent attempts of the petitioner supporters uh, in this case to halt the count uh, on January 6th qualified as an insurrection uh, as defined by Section 3. And I read your opening brief to accept uh, that those events counted as an insurrection, um, but then your reply seemed to suggest that they were not. So what, what is your position oh, as to that? We, we never accepted or conceded in our opening brief that this was an insurrection. What we said in our opening brief was President Trump did not engage in any act that can plausibly be characterized as an insurrection. All right, so- Which matters greatly. I mean, that's that's part of the conversation. That's, that's Trump's uh, lawyer there, uh, Mr. Mitchell, I believe. That was Ketanji Brown Jackson, Justice Jackson. You can hear it? I'm sorry. The country is still awesome, people. That's all there is to it. Uh, it'll, it I'll have this breakdown tomorrow of what got said and what didn't and, and how we think it's going to go. Find everything at TonyCats.com. This is Tony Katz Today.
very, very true. I could not think less of Senator Chris Murphy if I wanted to. I mean, I've tried to think less of him, really not think of him at all, but he keeps talking and the words that he uses, the things that come out of his mouth make you say, my gosh, could there be anybody more this despicable? And the answer is, well, I guess sure, depending on any given day. But the Senator from Connecticut, Chris Murphy, when it comes to this conversation regarding border security, immigration, you could not come up with more of a fraud, more of a bad guy than the beta male, Chris Murphy. And for the record, I know that that's like, like a dig. I mean it in every way possible. No one has ever come across uh, to me as more weak and more feckless and more just unassuming and 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 those are all characteristics that maybe I should overlook but then he opens his mouth and I'm proven right Tony Katz Tony Katz today good to be with you find everything going on at tonycats.com let me give you the one two punch of course he was one of the negotiators of this so-called bipartisan legislation regarding uh border security and I was not in favor of this deal and I'm a guy who wants a deal. I'm a guy who wants the border security. I want the, the, the policies changed. I want the technology on the border. I want more border patrol agents. I want to put an end to the asylum claims. I want remain in Mexico. We need these things. And if you were to vote for these things as standalone things, well, then let's see where everybody is. But you don't even need a vote on remain in Mexico. You just need Joe Biden to enact the policy. So really, this is about willpower. This is about attitude. This is about uh, political ideologies at play. And the political ideology of the political left is meh. You won't get me to disagree that the political right has not done enough regarding the border. Absolutely. It's been going on for decades. We are all in agreement on that. But one cannot deny that Joe Biden does not, and the administration does not enforce remain in Mexico. That they changed of the border. They decided that Trump's policies were no good. They made the problem worse. The numbers prove it, and they have done nothing until the last month to even talk about the subject. And the only reason they're doing that was A, Mayorkas was being impeached, and that will come back. Even though they screwed up the first vote, which why you would do that, I don't know. Uh, they will come back with another vote on impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, who I believe des- uh, deserves to go because he does a poor job. And if you tell me that's not enough to fire somebody, I don't think you understand anything. Of course, that can fit high crime and misdemeanor. Not doing your job can fit in that category without question. You can find the thing, depending on how you want to say it, because it's a political move, not a legal move, and high crimes and misdemeanors is meant to be a catch-all for all the things. I mean, if you want to debate that with me, I'm totally up for that. What do you think it means? What 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 level of category do you think uh, that that uh, brings you the possibility of impeachment? A phone call? Remember, that was the first impeachment. Trump tried to get Ukraine to do this or that. I, no, no, no. This was all your fever dream. You took a phone call and decided it was an impeachable offense, and it went nowhere. And then you decided January sixth we can do it again. So when we talk about impeachment as political tool. You, the political left, taught the right how to use it. How dare you then complain it's being used like a political tool? I'm, I'm dismissing that. If, if you were to treat the Constitution better, 
then we would all be better off. But if you did that, you'd recognize that Article 4, Section 4, protecting the nation from invasion is real, that it is the president's purview uh, regarding the border, and he should implement the policies that work like remain in Mexico. But the, the entirety of this, this, this legislation was, was, was doomed because it started, with a, it started with a baseline, a standard that one could say is irrational. And yet they started it with, well, this makes sense. That baseline, we need 5,000 encounters with people claiming asylum before the border shuts down. Why in the world would we think 5,000 is the standard? Who came up with that number? The same guy who said, oh, COVID, you got to stay six feet away from each other, came up with the 5,000 number. This is this one guy's job. Come up with numbers that you think work. Six feet. Wasn't science. It was a lie from our federal government. People should go to jail for that. How does the 5,000 number become the baseline? The political left, you'll note, never asked that question. They never looked at the legislation and said, wait a second, what's happening here? Maybe we would agree on a number, a number of people uh, trying to uh, claim asylum before we shut down the border. 5,000 was the number agreed to? 5,000? Which certainly could play out to that 1.825 million number. 5,000 people a day, 365 days a year, 1.825 million. And the left like, oh, no, 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 it could be shut down for days. Could be. That's absolutely correct. Could be shut down for days. That is not to say that you would engage in that way. One of the issues here was an implementation conversation. You tell me you're going to reduce the ability for people to claim asylum and at the same time say that the Secretary of Homeland Security can grant asylum. These two things cancel each other out. You have not solved a problem. You haven't solved it. Why shouldn't we notice that? Why can't we discuss that? Why would you think that that's okay? Why did you try and get that past us? And I still, I mean, I I didn't mean to go on a tangent there. We still haven't solved the thing about the 5,000. Why was this the number? Shouldn't the number of uh, acceptable illegal immigration be zero? Shouldn't that be the number? I think that should be the number. I've always thought that should be the number. So Senator Chris Murphy goes on CNN. He's talking to Jake Tapper. And Well, I actually haven't seen him angrier behind closed doors. That is as angry as he gets. I was actually sitting standing in my office uh, with a number of my staff people watching him give that speech. We were all absolutely awestruck by you know how strong he has been at this moment when all of his colleagues are abandoning him. Uh, the short answer to your question is, Jake, is that I think for the time being, um, Republicans are never going to compromise on immigration. I think the only way that immigration ever gets solved as a problem is if Democrats are in charge of the House and the Senate. We change the rules and we get something passed with a majority vote. I think Republicans can't imagine a world in which the problem of immigration is solved. Like, what would they do on their weekends if not drag the press down to the border to show off how broken it was? What would they do if they couldn't complain about this as an issue? I don't think they can live with a world in which immigration is solved. And so for the foreseeable future, I unfortunately don't see any world in which we resuscitate this compromise that so many Republicans said they wanted, but then ran away from as soon as it was put on the floor for them. That's not the case. But my gosh, 
only Democrats can bring us border security? You've had numerous opportunities and you haven't done it. What stopped you? What kept you from bringing us border security? When we talk about going to the border, it's because Joe Biden doesn't. Although, if you listen to Corinne Jean-Pierre, oh, Joe Biden's been to the border, and my gosh, he has seen what Border Patrol goes through. Well, the president wasn't at the border uh, last year, so just want to make sure and make that clear. Uh, And so he got to see for himself uh, what the uh, Border Patrol agents go through, their process. Uh, He got to see the technology that's used. He went to El Paso. El Paso is not the border. El Paso is not the border. Just stating what what is. Just stating the facts. He's never been to the border. And your borders are Kamala Harris? Are we kidding? (laughs) Honestly, on the over-under... What is it the over-under that I'm going to use that sound effect on, on, on the show? <laughs> I, I think it should always be a three and a half. Because you know it's going to happen. It's just too good. The idea that only Democrats can solve this problem because Republicans just want to complain about it? You have a party that wants open borders. Representative Ocasio-Cortez has stated multiple times The way to get rid of the undocumented problem is to document them. She means citizenship. She has said the words. Again, ideology before actually engaging in a solving. This deal didn't work. Maybe there's another deal. Why, Senator Murphy, hasn't the Senate taken up House Bill 2, which passed months ago? Chuck Schumer won't bring it to the floor. Chuck Schumer won't bring it to the floor. And yet somehow it's all about the Republicans. The reason we have to bring it up is because mainstream media, national media, they're only going to quote and share Chris Murphy. They're never going to ask the question, why was 5,000 the number? Maybe they should go back with 2,000. Let's see what happens then. Maybe they should go back with a change here. Maybe they should go back with a tweak there. No, You want to talk about compromise? No changes, no tweaks, no maneuvering. They just say it's dead, Republicans' fault, the end. Proving that it's political. If they wanted to actually solve this, wouldn't they make tweaks to the legislation? Wouldn't they make changes that could get everybody on board? No one's even discussing making changes. They just gave up and walked away, yet Chris Murphy lectures to us. And then... He goes into a conversation with uh, Chris Hayes. You want to talk about beta males. I know, it's so rude of me, yet it's factual. Check this out. The negotiation didn't have a path to citizenship. It was entirely on their terms in order to get Ukraine funding, right? Well, I mean, Chris, that's been a failed play for 20 years. So you are right that that has been the Democratic strategy for... 30 years, maybe, uh, and it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. This is also not 2013 any longer when we ran that play. Did you just say undocumented Americans is what we care about most? Wait a second. Did Senator Murphy, Connecticut, did you just say undocumented Americans? Can we can we have a moment, please? 
just take a moment and listen to that one more time. If we could just just one more time. Maybe. Uh, and it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. Oh. Okay. Now tell me how serious you are about border security. Now tell me when you engage legislation, who are you writing it for? The citizens of Connecticut? The citizens of the United States? It doesn't seem so because you said the people you care about most are undocumented undocumented Americans. Who is that? What does it even mean to be an undocumented American? You're stating clearly that the thing you favor is the pathway to citizenship, just what I was talking about with Representative Ocasio-Cortez, and you're already calling them Americans. They're not Americans. I'm not even angry at them. They're not Americans. Well, I'm angry at the ones who come to the United States and then commit crimes and are part of these huge crime rings, and they're stealing phones from people. They're stealing the data off the phones. They're they're cleaning out Venmo accounts and Cash App accounts, and then the phones are being shipped out of the country and then sold in foreign countries. And this is all your fault, Chris Murphy, because you should be opposed to this, and you should be in favor of throwing those people out of the country by the tens of thousands if you cared about Americans. But you care about undocumented Americans. In your words, the people you care about most. Years, maybe. Uh, and it has failed to deliver for the people we care about most, the undocumented Americans that are in this country. Why would I trust you to get a deal done? Now, I want to take this and I want to play it for Senator Lankford and Senator McConnell. I want to play that for them so they understand what it is that they are up against. You walk into a negotiation actually trusting. How do you trust Chris Murphy? He just told you that his Americans aren't his focus. He loves most undocumented Americans. I don't believe that's a Freudian slip. I believe that's a proud statement. That's what He's saying, what made you think you could create a deal with this guy? If I'm Langford, I say out loud, okay, what do we have to change? Maybe you can make some changes. Say to the Democrats, let's get together and let's make some changes. Let's try this again. You don't want to try it again. I thought border security mattered to you. There is an opportunity for a political win here. All you have to do is take it. But I don't expect necessarily the Republican Party to even figure that one out. Look, I think they're better on border security, but I didn't say they were bright. As for the political left, they've told you what they're all about. They've told you that this is all just posturing. And us, we're the ones getting screwed. We're the ones getting harmed. We're the ones getting damaged. We're the ones having businesses being destroyed. We're the ones being mugged. We're the ones losing our rights by the second, never mind, our feeling of safety and security. Not good, kids. Not good at all. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Absolute victory. That's what Netanyahu is going for. That's what he has said. Sorry, Hamas. We're not going to take your so-called deals for a ceasefire. We are going to have absolute victory.
good. That's what's necessary, and it's necessary for the rest of the world, I think, to see that. Let them know that Israel is not worried about what you say about them in some UN meeting or or all your other claims. Hamas is a terrorist organization that needs to be destroyed. And statements like this from the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, don't help. Israelis were dehumanized in the most horrific way on October 7th. The hostages have been dehumanized every day since. But that cannot be a license to dehumanize others. You've got a war. You have got Hamas. You have got an electorate there, if you will, that has said in poll after poll they would re-elect Hamas. You have hostages. Hamas has to be destroyed. Hamas is a terrorist organization. They murdered 1,300 people. It's the way it is. Israel is offering the idea of a uh, ceasefire, and uh, they will let the head of uh, Gaza go, uh, the head of Hamas, I should say, Sinwar, in, in exchange for release of all 136 hostages. Like Yasser Arafat left, they'll let him leave. Maybe he'll, you know, be like, hey, my life matters, forget the rest of you. Getting the hostages is what matters to Israelis because they care more about humanity than anybody in Hamas. But in order for humanity to be, you know, safe, Hamas has to be destroyed. And so do the leaders of Iran. That's just reality. Find everything at TonyKatz.com tomorrow, everyone. Take care.